Hi, this is Rick Picotta, Medical Director here at the Center for Medical Education. Our talk this time, this is from our MPREP series, where we summarize an article that ABEM, the American Board of Emergency Medicine, says every board-certified emergency doctor has to study and take a quiz on. And uh, this is from 2019. It is entitled Managing Migraine, and it's by Diane Birnbaumer. Diane is an uh, emeritus professor from the Harbor UCLA Emergency Department here in Los Angeles, uh, is has won the ASAP Education Award and just about every related award that you can get from <laughs> from ASAP and the California chapter, and is a consummate educator and uh, has been doing our programs, all kinds of programs, for probably the last 15 years. So Diane, thank you so much and take it away. Right. All right. I have a headache. <laughs> do I have you? Such a headache. <laughs> no, well, I don't. All right. Good. I'm glad you don't. How do have I a manage headache. my migraine? Yeah. So this is. I like again. This is a very straightforward title. Managing migraine. I think I know what I'm going to read in this paper. <laughs> so let's see what Dr. Friedman has to say about migraine. Again, this is another expert clinical management series from Annals. This is somebody who has done research in the area of migraines, who knows a lot about it, giving us sort of a summary of what are what's the current state of affairs when it comes to migraine. So. What about migraine? What about the demographics? 18% of women, 9% of men in the U.S. suffer from migraines. We see over a million ED visits yearly. Certainly, we know that this can be a very disruptive disease. Remember that migraines can be preceded by auras, which can be visual or sensory. Those are the most common ones, but they can also be motor or speech. And these are sort of things that happen before the headache comes on, some kind of temporary neurologic sensation, a warning sign that it's coming. Now, remember that during a migraine, you can also have neurologic symptoms during your migraine. But if that happens during the attack, then it's not called an aura. The aura is something that is before. Um, before. So that's the definition of aura. Um, remember that you can also, before several days before a migraine comes on, migraine patients can report that they don't feel that well. They basically kind of know it's coming. They lose their appetite. They kind of have a change in mood. Maybe they feel a little bit different than they normally do. And that can happen up to days before, which is interesting. The other thing that, that you should know that as um, the migraine duration increases, they can have allodynia, mm -hmm. which is basically sort of heightened sensation of pain. So usually it was no if you're normal, this is something that wouldn't be painful, but then it basically can be felt as painful. So allodynia. Normal, normal things that don't usually bug you sensory-wise. So yes. noises give you pain yes. instead of just be too loud. Yes, correct. So one of the things about migraine that's interesting in this paper is it says that, you know, we used to think of migraine as a vascular headache, but now these days in the neurology world, they're not thinking of it that way anymore. It's felt to be more of a, just a general neurologic disorder that has more to do with a dysfunctional dysfunctional pain processing on the nociceptive side. So you've got nociceptors, you've got different types of pain receptors, and basically you've got a problem with your nociceptors. And so it's a, it's a difficulty in your pain processing. And so these abnormal pain pathways turn non-noxious stimuli into painful stimuli. Which so, is, and it is a common complaint of migraine patients, right? That's right. Things are too loud or photophobia. We ask about that, right? right. It's, it's interesting. I like that. This is fascinating. We'll I see where this goes a, in the future, but I think that's really focus, interesting. Instead of vascular, this is a pain receptor problem, which I think makes sense. They get the headache, they get the phonophobia, the photophobia, osmophobia, which is a fear of or a, uh, a hypersense of odors. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. Osmophobia has to do with odors. 
How do we make this diagnosis? Do we need labs? Do we need imaging? No. This no. is a clinical diagnosis. We're familiar with this. There certainly are official classifications of, by the International Headache Society. They've got international classifications, and this standardizes the diagnosis. But obviously, these criteria are things that are very difficult for us to remember. We don't use these in the ED. We no, but there's some tools this, we can use, right? But there are some tools. And so they describe one in this paper, which is called the ID migraine instrument that they describe. And here it is. It's a screening test. And basically, it's Super some easy. simple questions to ask a patient in the last three months, have you ever had uh, headaches? Along with your headaches, have you had nausea or felt sick to your stomach? Did the light bother you? This is getting into that whole phonophobia, mm-hmm. photophobia, that kind of thing. Were your headaches functionally limiting to you? Did it limit your ability to work or to do what you needed to do? And basically, if you get two out of three of these positive, it gives us a very nice sensitivity and specificity um, in terms of are you a migraine sufferer? Which so, is interesting. I, I was a little dubious of this at first, but if you really think about all the headache patients you see, Quite a few patients who don't answer yes to all this. Right. So, so it's kind of some some specific mm-hmm. sensations that have to do with this abnormal pain processing that migraine patients have in particular. So the issue with diagnosing this is that, you know, many headaches, if they're not migraines, respond to the same medications mm-hmm. that migraines do. So sort of sorting this out, it can be a challenge in terms of diagnostic. Now, in this particular paper, this author says that despite that, despite the fact that your treatment, your treatment pathway is going to look the same for your headache patients, you should still try to get at this diagnosis and to separate this out from all of your other headaches before they leave because you can basically give people some more education about what mm-hmm. migraines are, what to expect. Um, and that's fine. You can, until the patient, when the patient is feeling, feeling better at the end and you've treated their headache, you can have that discussion with at the end. But the author recommends, you know, besides just calling everybody a headache, you should sort out what these patients, that these patients have migraines. And that's the usefulness of this screening tool, et cetera. Do you need labs? You don't need labs. No. The only lab you might need would be a pregnancy test in terms of it might affect your treatments and that might be what's going on. So a, a, a pregnancy test I think is always warranted in most of our ED patients um, where this might be an issue. Um, but certainly there's really no neuroimaging and I think we're familiar with this to get us to this diagnosis. Yeah. Now certainly if they have atypical or there's some, some concerning features, some red flags, they've got a fever, they've got the thunderclap, the sudden onset, they've got some kind of focal neuro finding, they're altered, they've had trauma. I mean, those are patients that yep. are going to get imaging. But otherwise, if it's just straightforward migraine, no imaging needed. Mm-mm. What about treatment? Where are we with treatment? Well, there are really kind of three classes of agents that are considered to be first-line treatment for migraines. Right. Kind of top of the list would be your anti-dopaminergics. We're pretty familiar with these. The triptans are still on the list and our non-steroidals. These are sort of three general classes that are considered to be first-line. Now, the anti-dopaminergics, they treat both the nausea the headache, and certainly they treat kind of both of those elements for migraine patients. What's on this list? Metoclopramide is on this list, and this turns out to be the best agent for pre- agent for pregnant migraine patients. Prochlorperazine is on this list. Droperidol, which we don't have anymore, but some people have still if you have it, to, go yeah, for it. If you have it, great. And haloperidol is on this list, and it's sort of huh? an underappreciated mm-hmm. agent that you could use. How these drugs work in migraine, we're not really mm-hmm. all that sure. Um, how exactly it works. But here's our dosing, metoclopramide, 10 milligrams IV. Remember, these are actually more efficacious when given IV. IV. Prochlorperazine, also a 10 milligram IV dose. 
Now, certainly um, with these anti-dopamine agents, they can have some anticholinergic side effects. That's true. This is um, the akesthesia and some of the other side effects that go along with it. And for certainly patients who have frequent migraines, they're pretty familiar with these agents. They are. And they may not be so in favor because mm -hmm. of the side effects they've, haven't, right. they've had before. It's, it's not infrequently their allergy to these That's meds. Right. That's right. And so they feel terrible when right. they get them. When you tease it out, you can kind of get to that. But you should know that you can avoid some of those side effects by giving this drug slowly. And some people, although not advocated for in this paper, um, will tell you to put the in a, drip. Pro, in a drip, put it in the fluids that you're going to give them anyway and give it to them slowly in a drip. And that's a way to decrease the incidence of these side effects. They also mentioned prophylactic diphenhydramine that you can also use if, with your prochlorperazine to uh, help uh, uh, um, uh, preemptively treat this akesthesia mm -hmm. and kind yeah, of get around so they don't get it. it. Yeah. If they do get the akesthesia, the get up and goes, you can treat it with midazolam or the diphenhydramine can work for that. The get up and goes. Sometimes you want the patient to get up yeah, and go. Saying, sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> sometimes it's a good if thing. If you could just right. isolate that moiety, sometimes that might be that's helpful. That's right. Where are we with triptans? Remember that triptans are serotonin receptor agonists. They help decrease the nociceptive transmission. So very helpful since we think that that's really what's going on along the trigeminal pathway. Um, in terms of parenteral triptans, because often these patients have nausea and they don't want to yeah. take pills. The subcutaneous uh, sumatriptan is the one that you're going to, this is your go-to. The dose is six milligrams subcutaneously. In terms of what the evidence says about it, number needed to treat 2.5, so that's a nice really, low that's number. Really low. That's right. really nice. And it will make the headache go away in about 30 minutes. This is a, certainly a drug that you can try. And if it works for them, that's what works for them. Mm -hmm. It's a go-to. Now, there are side effects that can be common with this, and that's right. one of the downsides to this so medication. It's two and a half to treat. How many to harm? Exactly. Here's our number needed to harm is four. So that's also a low number, unfortunately. What are the downsides to using one of these serotonergic agents? The flushing. They can sort of feel some, they just don't feel all that well. Their headache can get worse. And the worst part about yeah. it is that over half of them are going to have a, a recurrent bounce back headache. So yeah. within 24 hours, their headache's going to come right back. And that's probably the biggest downside to the triptans. So studies really show between tri triptans and the IV dopaminergic agents, anti-dopaminergic agents that we just talked about, those are probably your preferred if you have a choice between the two, um, and they're just sort of better tolerated than the triptans. What about NSAIDs, Ketorolac mm -hmm. in particular? These are pretty commonly used. There's not a lot of data to support no. that use, but certainly they're, you know, pretty safe drugs that we use for lots of conditions. We're very familiar with them. The dose here, 30 milligrams IV, 60 milligrams IM, um, if that's your option. And again, there's not a lot of trials looking at it, especially a lot of people like to use NSAIDs in combination with other things as their personal cocktail. And the article just makes the point, there's not a lot of evidence to support that practice. Certainly these are safe drugs, but just to know right. that there's an evidence-based thing. What about other things that we talk about when it comes to migraines? What about antihistamines? Again, probably not effective. What about ketamine and propofol? These are mm -hmm. certainly not your first-line agents. They are hot right now, though. They are mm -hmm. hot. And um, certainly, yes, you could give those and they would work acutely. What happens after the ketamine and propofol is a little bit more unclear. Magnesium, although that's mentioned also often in the, mag in the mag migraine world, it's not always doesn't no. always work, so not consistently beneficial. We're kind of off the ergots. Those are it's out not of vascular vogue. anymore. It's mm -hmm. not vascular anymore. And then in terms of um, things like ondansetron, which is uh, people sometimes reach for, especially when nausea is a, is a prominent component, those giving given parenterally are not really studied in the migraine population. So mm, question mark. I'm surprised. Actually. Yeah, I know. That's probably a, we'll hear more about that. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Yes. What about IV fluids? We always tend to hang IV fluids 
they're certainly fine if you think your patient's dehydrated. In terms of treating their migraine, probably not going to do a whole lot. What about parenteral opioids? This, it turns mm. out, if you look at migraine patients across US EDs, this is the most commonly used drug class to treat migraines. And so over half of ED visits for migraines are yeah. getting opioids. The truth is that these shouldn't be your first line drugs. No. These, you know, there's a lot of things going against opioids these days. Here's yet another sort of kick in the shins for the opioids. Um, and there's a couple reasons why. They don't respond very well. They have they have bounce backs as well. If you're going to use triptans, doesn't work with them. There's a lot of downsides to opioids. So the, 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 the take home here is they really shouldn't be your first line go-to anymore. If that's what you're part of your cocktail, try to try to get away from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in this paper, this expert author has a suggested treatment strategy. What does he suggest? This is this is this mm -hmm. is part of that expert opinion. So he says go with one of these IV drips. Right, go IV the, drip. Give yeah. an anti-dopaminergic agent slowly mm -hmm. over 15 minutes. You can choose metoclopramide. You can choose prochlorpyrazine plus the diphenhydramine to help decrease the get up and goes, the akesthesia. Or it's fine if you want to go droperidol again plus or minus some diphenhydramine. If you're still not at a good place after that problem not solved then your second you can give a second dose of what you just gave plus he says throw in the NSAID at this point now go ahead and take that repeat your dose and add in the IV ketorolac okay what if you're going down the line he says repeat the anti-dopaminergic again and now he throws in the dihydroergotamine, which is a milligram, which is interesting because yeah. we just talked about how it, we Doesn't, decided it's not vascular no. and the ergots are sort of out, yeah. but it happens to appear on his strategy again. Another thing that's down the line he mentions, and I think these can be useful for the right patient, is occipital nerve blocks. This mm -hmm. is a really nice idea. And so that's one that is go ahead and inject them and see if that will help. And then don't forget about some oral medications. You can go for... he throws an oral opioid acetaminophen combinations, you know, your um, hydrocodone, you know, right. oxycodone acetaminophen combination. We talked about getting away from opioids. So again, this is kind of way down the list, but he kind of throws it out there as a mm -hmm. possibility. Here's some other things to think about. Consider dexamethasone. And this is an interesting thing. Dexamethasone has been shown to decrease recurrence of headaches. Mm -hmm. And so certainly for those patients who have had a recurrent headache, dexamethasone can decrease the incidence of that headache coming back. So consider giving dex. And again, this is going to be your particular patient in front of you. Is there any really reason not to give this? Right. Um, if there's really not a reason to give it, throw in a lot of people. This is getting a little more popular of 10 milligrams of dexamethasone IV. Some other things on the menu you might want to consider if you have it available to mm -hmm. you. If you if have you do. the IV. IV formulation of acetaminophen, a, a gram of that will be really nice. Ketamine, don't forget that low-dose ketamine as a pain adjunct is can be useful. So ketamine might be on your list in terms of um, other treatments to go for, especially with that migraine patient who's got a lot of allergies. Exactly. And you really are like, what else do I have to give? Here are some other options. I would not go with propofol as a first-line treatment no. for a migraine, but he mentions it as a possibility. And then also haloperidol, which I do think is a nice option, five milligrams yeah, IV. I'd, push, I'd pop that one back up. Push, I like push that, that higher. I yeah. like that that one. I think that mm -hmm. one is, is really nice. So in terms of disposition, we know that this is likely going to be a recurrent problem for this patient. And in fact, two thirds of them over half will probably have another headache within 24 hours so of tell leaving. tell them that. I mean, the most of them know exactly. that anyway, but tell them that. There's yeah. some education benefit there. And again, we've mentioned that parenteral dexamethasone might mitigate that. Number needed to treat only nine. So mm -hmm. a pretty low number there. Not much downside. Again, risk versus benefit in the patient in front of you. Don't forget that an adjunctive uh, NSAID like deproxen might help in terms of preventing that rebound headache. And sumatriptan also mentioned as well. 
well. These don't all need to be referred to neurology unless there's some complication to it that is sort of special, but otherwise primary care can handle migraines. And then preventative medications uh, may be helpful in preventing these from coming on in some patients. So what are some of the highlights of this article? Certainly migraine is not any more thought of as a vascular headache. Now it's thought to be a neurologic problem that has to do with dysfunctional pain processing. Mm -hmm. This is a clinical diagnosis. There's no lab or imaging that's going to tell us that this is a migraine. The treatment includes anti-dopaminergic agents like metoclopramide and prochlorperazine. Triptans are also on the list. Non-steroidals also on the list as well. And consider dexamethasone to decrease the risk of a recurrent headache. That's a frequent problem for patients with migraines. Opioids, we should really kind of stay away from them. They are really a last-line therapy rather than a first-line therapy, mm -hmm. although historically and by looking at data, they seem to be a very common first-line agent. They really shouldn't be. And most of these patients don't need to be plugged into a neurologist. Primary care can handle them just fine unless there's a complication of some course. Exactly. Sort. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Not exactly what we do in the ER, but, but pretty, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, that's a wrap. We encourage your comments or questions. You can reach us at support at ccme.org. And please check our library of educational content at ccme.org. Thanks for listening and bye for now.